What's up, guys? In Your Head with Shannon Stafford is a podcast where Shannon talks to everyday people with everyday problems. Everyone has a story, and every story should be told. So you listen right now to Shannon's podcast on Spotify and many other places, y'all. Come on, man. Be the light. Peace. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome again to In Your Head with Shannon Staniford. I am Shannon Staniford, and I am telling you right now, I have with me today as my guest, Josh Anderson Sr. If you don't know Josh Anderson Sr., you're about ready to. We had a very long conversation, and this man has an incredible story about his son and what him and his family did after his son's death um we had a very long conversation and you know what uh it's very informative we we both are champions for mental health and uh this guy is simply amazing his family's amazing and what they do and how they honor their their son josh's memory is it's beautiful. Uh, but yes. Um, thank you again. I, I can't really stop and tell you guys so much, but like, thank you so much for listening to the show. Um, it's not about the numbers to me. Like I, like I see like a lot of the, the, the podcasters and shows and stuff like that, talking about downloads and, and, uh, and listeners and stuff like that. And, I, I don't, I don't care if you, like, if you listen to every show, I don't care, like, how many times you listen to the show, if you find a show that is, that is something for you, then I am glad, um, the show has always been a, if it saves one person, then that's all that really matters to me kind of thing, so I'm very appreciative of that. And I'm very appreciative of all of you. So uh, I just want to just want to tell you guys that I'm like super uh, stoked that you guys have uh, been with me for a year now, and it's we're just getting better. We're getting more and more people have lined up to be interviewed, and I am like super excited that this show has started to take off more and more. So um, you know what? Let's just get in. Uh, to the conversation with Josh. What's going on, Shannon? You okay? Oh, no, yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you perfect. Awesome. Awesome. So, welcome to the show, and I'm hoping I'm doing this right, because it's the first time I've ever actually recorded off the Anchor app, so. 
So, um, how you been? How you? How's things going? I've been I've been good. It's uh, it's crazy times still right now, but I can't complain too much. How about you? Uh, you know, I mean, life's been kind of the same since hell, even the pandemic started. So, like, it's just a little less crazy and uh, not as busy. So, like, I'm thankful for that. Right. Right. Absolutely. So, um, so I am so uh, um, honored and uh, happy that you you're uh, joining me because uh, we I don't even remember how the hell we actually connected in the first place but uh uh we both uh have podcasts and uh i listened to your uh the, i want to say like the first five episodes of yours and like your your first uh episode was basically your story um so for for those of um my audience that may not uh know what your podcast is why don't you uh tell them what they're what your podcast is and then uh, uh let's get into your story yeah absolutely i'd love to um so basically my podcast is called the say hello save a life podcast um it's basically named after the foundation that my family and myself created um after we lost our 12 year old son to suicide in 2016 so when we lost him when he when he passed away uh, we were looking at ways that we could help, you know, other families, other people out there who may not only be struggling, but or and or families that have lost somebody to suicide. Unfortunately, um, when we lost him in 2016, there really wasn't much information that I could find um, about youth depression and youth suicide. And uh, the fact that, you know, we have um, five other kids, um, some of them older than him and some of them a lot long younger uh, we wanted to make sure that we educated ourselves so we could see what we missed um, or what we could be missing in the future to not only help our kids, but to help other families. So, um, <clears throat> so that's why we started the podcast. We just, we wanted to make sure to get as much information out there to other people. So our podcast, you know, revolves around youth um, issues, youth mental health, youth suicide a lot, but it has a lot of information in general about, warning signs and what to look for uh for people that are depressed so um yeah yeah, it's just it it was important to us for that oh yeah definitely i mean uh what what you guys are doing over there is uh very well needed because like we tend to forget uh that sometimes these these kids they're not a lot they're not as tough as we think they are right um they're not, uh, and they themselves t- seem to forget they're not as bulletproof as they think they are. So, right. so what what you're doing is uh, is amazing, and um, so I uh, so I guess let's uh, let's really just get into the story of uh, what happened with your son. So, like, wh- why don't we uh, start with before? Okay. Um, what was what was life like before? he uh he your son had uh, committed suicide right absolutely um so me and my wife uh met in 2001 um she had three children from a previous marriage um so jj was our first child together um so he we ended up having two other children after him um he has a sister and a brother along with a sister and two older brothers from 
my wife's previous relationship. So at the time he was number four, um, when he was born, um, had a perfectly normal childhood, um, you know, played sports, um, was involved, was very involved in school, got good grades. Uh, he had just graduated sixth grade. So we're going to, we'll fast forward. Um, he had just graduated sixth grade during the summer. He had broken up with his previous girlfriend. Um, in the start of seventh grade, he had met a new girlfriend, but we could tell that the group of friends that he was hanging out with were different than his previous friends. Not that necessarily that they were bad, um, or, you know, bad influences or anything, but just different people. And they did a lot of different things, going to the movies and stuff like that. Um, so Christmas the uh, in 2015 um, was pretty normal. Um, my wife had just given birth um, to our our son Jackson, who was number five or number six. Uh, he was the last child, but he was a preemie, um, so he had to stay in the NICU for quite a long time. Um, he was three months early, so he was really tiny. So for me and my wife, we spent a lot of time away from the house for a while. And I think um, this all happening before Christmas, I think that kind of took a toll on him. I don't know if it was um, that he felt neglected. Um, you know, I'd hate to think that, but we really don't know. And then Christmas came, and I don't think that he got everything that he wanted for Christmas. We had been struggling with money that year because we had both taken time off from work. Um, but um, in February, we were planning um, his birthdays in March. So we were planning his birthday and things seemed pretty normal to us. He was um, planning on having a birthday party at a golf, a miniature golf course, um, inviting friends. Uh, we had just gone to the store and picked out Valentine's stuff for his new girlfriend um, that he was going to give to her. They were having a dance uh, the weekend after he took his life. Um, so we really didn't see anything, you know, a quote unquote warning signs. Um, you know, he seemed a little more distant a couple months before, uh, a little more angry, but we couldn't figure out if it was, you know, stresses at school or because he wasn't getting what he wanted or he just wasn't getting the attention. <clears throat> Excuse me. So the night um, that he ended up taking his life, our older son had a, a baseball meeting. He was still a freshman in high school, so he was on the baseball team. And he had come home from school that day, and he seemed really upset. He slammed his bike in the garage. Um, so when I tried to talk to him when he got home, he was just like, Dad, you know, leave me alone. I don't want to talk. I was like, okay, you know, I'm here for you. You know, if you want to talk, let me know. So we went to the baseball meeting. Uh, my wife, um, our older son, James, our, and, and me. And then when we got to the, after the baseball meeting, we went to stop and get food. And while we were waiting at the restaurant to pick up the food and bring it home, we got a text from one of JJ's friends who said, is JJ with you? And we're like, no, he's not with us. You know what's going on. And she said, well, he just sent me a message and said that he wanted to take his life, that he wanted to die. And we're like, what are you talking about? You know, we, this is all new stuff. You know, we'd never heard him talk like that. Um, so we're like, oh, crap, crap. So we better get home. So we rushed home. Um, when we got home, his door was locked. Um, I, my wife yelled for me to come upstairs because I still had our baby. 
Um, I, when I broke down the door, um, he was hanging from the door and he fell to the ground. So we did CPR on him until the ambulance came. Um, when the ambulance came, they were able to revive him enough to get his heart beating. Um, but it turned out that he was pretty much already brain dead that by that point. So we spent two days in the, in the, um, the emergency room with him and the PICU, the pediatric intensive care unit. And we ended up, mm-hmm. we ended up donating his organs. He lived long enough to donate his organs to two individuals. Um, we tried to save his heart, but he was too far gone. So we couldn't do that, but he ended up saving two lives um, in his passing. So we take some uh, relief in that we wanted to do more, but we weren't able to. So, so after that, no, that, uh, after that, you know, we started the foundation because we we wanted to make sure that, you know, nobody else had to go through what we were going through. We just we didn't either. We didn't see things or we saw things and we just, you know, ignored them. And we want to make sure that nobody else ignores, you know, what may be out there. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, and you're right. I mean, you do you can take some solace in the fact that um, d- despite the fact that you've lost your son i mean he did save a couple people's lives and that i mean that's kind of a heroic way to go out if there's a silver lining in any of it right so um what during okay so like i'm assuming at that moment during that particular time like whenever you found your your son your mind's going like a hundred miles an hour. Is there at any point where you, where it's like, you can think back and like, remember, do you still remember like every detail? Um, I remember details, but like a lot of it is a blur. Um, you know, I remember waiting outside for the ambulance to come cause my wife was upstairs doing CPR. And then I remember going to the emergency room where the chaplains and the doctors talked to us the first time. And then I remember them transferring him to another hospital that had the pediatric intensive care unit. And then I remember some details while we were there, um, you know, people coming and going and, you know, you know, checking in on us and, and seeing how we were doing. And then I remember we had a really good relationship with a lot of the nurses there. He touched a lot of the nurses um, lives with, with his story and, you know, what he went through. And we still talk to some of those nurses. We go to the hospital that he was at and we do presentations sometimes to the doctors, um, you know, talking about him and how the nurses helped us and that kind of stuff. But actual, you know, every single detail, like I, I repeat certain things. Like I remember watching his body fall. Unfortunately, that's something I see all the time. Um, I'd like to forget that sometimes, but (laughs) Details like that, I yeah. see, but a lot of it is just like flashes here and there. It's it's crazy. I, I bet, I bet uh, it's kind of a that that is uh, that is a sight that no parent should ever ever have to see. And unfortunately, you are one of those parents that have to have that image. Right. Um, what what was life like after the funeral? Like, what do you, what happened to your family after the funeral? 
So luckily for our family, um, pretty much everybody's still together. Um, me and my wife are still together. I know a lot of a lot of times suicide or death of a child will break up a family. So I'm lucky to still have her. You know, she's my rock a lot of the times. And our family's still pretty close. Um, we do have a problem sometimes, you know, talking about him as a group. We'll talk, you know, individually, like me and my son or me and my wife. But talking as a group is hard. And a lot of times, you know, going to family events and doing family things is tough. Uh, we still haven't gone on a lot of vacations since he passed because that was a lot of one of the things that he liked to do a lot. Um, but I think that creating the foundation um, has helped our family heal in a way because we focused a lot of our attention on helping other people and, you know, talking to other people about it. And I, you know, I always say that, you know, after we talk, you know, in front of a group or talk to people, it, it's helpful when we're in the moment, but then afterwards we kind of crash. We're like, oh man, you know, that was heavy, you know, reliving it again. But, you know, we figure our pain and, and his story is so important to tell people because when people think about suicide, they always think about, you know, it's the troubled kids, it's the kids that are loners or the kids that you know, got bad grades or the kids that did drugs or, you know, our son was 12. He was a straight A student. He was in sports. He was involved in after school activities. You know, he had relationships with people. He's not the kid, you know, quote unquote, that people would say is depressed or the kid that you would think is going to go home and take his life, you know, a day after school. It's so it's one of those things where like, you know, we tell parents, you know, don't think that it's not your kid, that it can never be your kid. That's the one thing that we tell people all the time. It could be any kid anywhere or at any time and not just kids. I mean, it can be any person anywhere at any time. And even if your kid is fine or your, your brother or sister is fine or your mom's doing fine, you need to check in on them and, and ask them directly, you know, how are you doing? You know, is there something I can do for you? Because, you know, it only takes... I mean, we figured we were gone for two hours and he was gone. I mean, it, it takes a moment for somebody to make that decision. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, I've had two uncles commit suicide and uh, both of them, like, one, I just, I didn't see. I didn't see coming. Right. And then uh, or that was like, that was my Uncle Roy, but... Uh, my uncle Ronnie, whenever he committed suicide, he had been going through so much. Like his his marriage had been falling apart. You know, like he had he was unable to work. Yeah. You know, neck surgery after neck surgery, injury after injury. So like the the signs of depression were there, but you know, like nobody really. You know, like that that's the sad thing is like uh, whenever you see something like that, so people are so like especially around like, like right right around then because. Uh, a lot of those times, like 2001, like, or anything past, I'd say, like, these last couple of years, uh, or earlier, or before these last couple of years, I think a lot of people are just so uncomfortable talking right. about this right. kind of stuff. Uh, they, they shy away from it. Um, so, like, after, after your son had committed suicide, he uh, was, were people, like, very, kind of, like, uh, standoffish about like trying to talk to you guys. Or did that? Do they 
treat you guys with try to treat you guys with like kid gloves or something no it's it's surprising like i don't know if we just have those kind of people around us but people want to know um what happened and people have always and we've always been open about it too or you know we're not going to hide it um you know mental health now in our family is a you know i wouldn't say the number one topic but it, but it's always a topic i mean we've had you know my daughter's struggled ever since she's uh she's 12 now and i think one of her hardest things was you know when she was going to be older than her brother when he passed away and i you know so mental health mm. is but i mean people have always surrounded us with 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 love about it and we were lucky enough even you know like at my work was really understanding my wife's work was really understanding so it's when we hear those stories about people even now where they're like, well, my family stopped talking to me, you know, because so-and-so took their life or, you know, my job, you know, didn't give me time off or we're like, you know, mental health is a, a serious issue right now. And it's only gotten bigger. And, you know, I do like the fact that people are talking about it more. It's, you know, it's a good thing, but at the same time, there's so much more that needs to be done. I mean, there's so many more people that need to talk about it. We, we come across a lot of families that lose children now. And a lot of families still are like, my child didn't take his life. And we're like, you know, you know, he, he took his life. I mean, I know it's hard to deal with, but you know, that's what happened. And I think, you know, once you start talking about it, once you open up about it is when, you know, you can start to, you can start to grieve, a, you know, better grief and you can start to move forward and, you know, it's never something that you get over, but once you start moving forward, things can get easier. I, I definitely agree. I, uh, <clears throat> um, it's, and I, to me, it's, it's not just, um, like, just like the, the suicide aspect of, uh, mental, mental health, like at any point, like any death that just comes unexpectedly, people have, but people react right. differently to any situation right so um for your uh, for you and your family your son and uh, the way way that he went out and like the way that my girlfriend went out like two two separate ways but like it affected both of us in similar ways but in different right. ways you like how how long was it before you guys started your foundation so he passed away in february we officially became a nonprofit in november but we started talking about it probably may june-ish so about three months before we realized that we had to focus our attention on something else but i mean it took even longer to seek out like grief counseling and that kind of stuff we we probably didn't do that until August, September. So probably six months. See you guys it, it, and sh such respect uh, to you and your family for, for going that route. Cause uh, I know people and well, myself, I'll throw myself under the bus here. I went the complete opposite okay. way. Like if uh, you, um, if you had checked out uh, the first episode of I the did. show, like my story, I went completely off right. the rails, like uh, drinking, right. like depression. Like I really like, uh, like I've made it no bones about it. Like 2019 was supposed to be the last year right. of my life, but it turns out to be the best right. one. So, um, and all because like you said, 
somebody checked in on me. Somebody sent me a out of nowhere message to where everything changed. So do you, do you guys have, have any like what ifs in your brain about your son? Like what if I would have done something different or, I mean, every day is a what if, I mean, that's, that's a, that's one of the first things that you do. I mean, you sit and you try to process, I mean, me and my wife have two different, well, not two different, but we have a lot of different what ifs. I mean, the first what ifs are if, what if we didn't stop and get food after the meeting and you know, what if we would have came straight home or what if we have asked him to come with us to the meeting? Would he still be here? I think that um, one of the things that helped us with that uh, the most was, is, you know, we pretty much know at this point he was suffering some sort of mental illness. We don't know what it was, whether it was just depression or if he had um, a separate, you know, mental illness of some sort, you know, bipolar disorder or something else that just hadn't crept up yet. But one of the things that helped us the most after he passed away was, you know, even if we had saved him that day, you know, he could have tried this again at some point Um, because he was so private about how he was feeling and because he hid it so well, you know, it could have only been another day or two and he could have tried it again. So we kind of just have to understand that, you know, we didn't know we weren't educated enough on what to look for. We weren't prepared enough to deal with his depression or with his mental health to save him at that point. Um, which is why, you know, we figure at this point, it's so important to make sure that other people are aware and other people understand that, you know, have those conversations with your kids. You know, I was, I had, I suffered from depression when I was younger, I was teased and bullied a lot in school. Um, my wife actually, um, when she was younger in high school, she attempted to take her life once and she survived. And, you know, we have those conversations with our kids now about our struggles and the fact that we're still here um, just so they know that they're not alone. And of course, you know, we wish we would have had those conversations with him. It just was too late at that point. Right. Well, I mean, you almost, you basically answered my next question is whenever like you were, you and your wife were younger, were you, were either of you guys just like, just exactly like your son, just like you kept everything to yourself and like, no matter what was going on. Uh, so I guess in a sense, he kind of, kind of took after you guys in, in, in right. that realm. And uh, unfortunately, um, he just didn't get, it's, uh, I, I say this about my mm-hmm. uncle and, uh, sometimes it kind of comes off a little crap. Uh, crass and I again it's never my intention for it to come off sometimes whenever my I think about my uh, my uncle Ronnie um, it, it's like he didn't get the memo that he he can make right. it through this no nothing nothing in life is as bad as it, uh, as you think right. that it is because you can always make it through and like I'm horrible I have always been so bad about uh, talking about the things that I'm going through or like, or thinking, uh, up until like I started the show and started therapy myself, which you like, I'm going to be 38 next year. So like, my 37th year, I decided to finally, uh, confront every demon that I've right. ever had over the last you know, like, 38 right. years. So, um, I'm, it's just, it's sad. Like your son's story. Like I remember listening 
I, I made the mistake of listening to your son's story while mm. I'm at work. So like I put my earbuds in because like we had just talked and I was like, okay, I'm gonna check right. this podcast out. As like, I'm thinking, like I can like I'm still in that robotic style of mindset where like I'm not really showcasing right. much motion. Like I'm not really <laughs> feeling right. anything. But like I'm, <laughs> I'm I. I so like I'm I'm listening I'm walking through the aisles because I'm like I'm, I'm a personal shopper and I'm like I'm getting people's groceries and like like the the way that you talk about that day and like it like as a father of two boys and a and a little girl myself I like I it like I can instantly image or put that image right. in my head and of me being you and one of them being like your son and like it like I just it just got me and like it was one of the first times in a very long time I actually had like tears coming down my eyes at work I had to step outside because your son's story is so raw and so true to how we we looked at or we look right. at our children we we don't talk about these things with our children uh at and we should because I feel like because our parents what didn't talk to us about it. Like they we were like when we were younger, we were we were Teflon. I mean, like we were supposed to be like tough as nails. Yeah, you, know, you don't don't whine right. about anything. You just you just handle your business right. and go on. No matter how right. hard life and, was. and like you, like I, I grew up without a dad. Um my dad wasn't in the picture. Um, my mom and my grandma raised me. So, you know, I didn't get that, you know, some of the, a lot of the stuff that, and that's what I wanted to convey in my son and help my son with. And, you know, that's why I coached little league and took him to sporting events because I didn't have any of that stuff. And, you know, one of the hardest things is, you know, he was my junior. So he was my first, he was my junior. And, after he passed away, the one well, the first thing, and it's kind of trivial now, but passed through my mind is, you know, am I even a senior anymore? Like, I mean, he's gone now. And it's like, you know, I, I'm not going to take that off of my name, but it's like, what do you do? How do you move on from that? I mean, I have, you know, five other kids. Um, and I, you know, I have another son who was five months old at the time. And he's, you know, five years old now. But it's like, you lose that major piece. And one of the things that we learned afterwards is somebody said to us also was, you know, he had 12 years and he couldn't recover from what he considered the worst day. Um, we learned that he had fallen off his bike and he was teased by some friends afterwards when he fell off his bike that day. Um, the only thing that we ever got from what he had told his friend when he took his life was school and stuff was bothering him. So he had 12 years to learn how to, you know, deal with the worst day for him. You know, I've had 40 years now because I'm, you know, I turned 40 last year and I've had 40 years to learn about the worst day and learn that, you know, I can recover from that. And what we don't do enough for our kids is we don't teach them that, you know, you can move on from something. You can, you know, recreate yourself from the worst day that you've had. You know, their, their sun comes up tomorrow and we just don't teach that resiliency to our kids like we need to. Oh, absolutely. I think um, I, I, I try to 
on my end, always whenever my kids are going through like a, a bad time, like what, like my youngest, my youngest kid, he, uh, he's, he's very popular with like the girls, right. you know? So like his, his older brother will be like, Oh, he, Grace has right. got a girlfriend. Grace got a girlfriend. He starts, you know, he'll, he'll start whining and stuff like that. And, and like, I'll, and I, and I'll, I'll get down to his level. And I try to tell him every time, just like I tell like my uh, oldest son, uh, with autism like and even my daughter i was like sometimes people are just right. people suck and and people will will make fun of you and people will do all this stuff but you know what it's right now it's right. just a bad moment five minutes from now it's not even worth the worth right. thought you can get through anything if you really try it it's like what you can't get through you let somebody know, and we and we will right, gladly exactly. help you. I was like, even if you just want us to sit with you and while you whine and bitch and complain, I we can do that too. I was like, not just I was like, it's not just me, it's not just your mom, it's not just like her fiance. You know, like it's it's, right. it's your entire family. Like all of us can do. We'll, we'll be that. And like I, I, I like you didn't have that. Like my mom was basically a single mom the entire time. Like I had a stepdad uh, that was a piece of shit, and like my real dad was not around. And uh, like me and my brother, we were, uh, we were like, we didn't get along, but like we got along enough to make sure that our sister was okay. And my mom worked, worked her ass off to make sure that we got had everything that we needed. Uh, But unfortunately you know like she wasn't able to really teach us a lot about the mental health aspect because her story is you know she had a shitty childhood so she probably didn't know how to talk to us about all that she was just doing everything she could to survive and i think as parents like especially now like we as parents in this generation like we we were a part of a generation that didn't talk about things. We are now realizing the old ways weren't working because obviously, because the kid, these young kids that we have, you know, they're going through way worse stuff in a sense than we ever, ever really had to worry about. We didn't have to worry about (laughs) cyberbullying. We didn't have that. Like, like they, like, I feel like, and, and you're and you're uh, with your foundation and and your uh, and your times and stuff like that and all these times that you've talked to like kids and and parents and stuff like that. Um, ha- have you found that like kids today have, have seemed to have a much uh, I guess without sounding like completely heartless here like a more glass heart than we did whenever we were younger i mean and it's you know it's me it's the media it's you know the stuff that they see the stuff that they do i mean there's they deal with bullying and and people talking down and you know thinking they're better than somebody every single day um just you know and what they see is funny they're they're taking all that in you know they watch all these videos online they you know go to school and people you know, just walking down the hallway. I mean, obviously right now they're not going to school, but 
when they're going to school, just walking down the hallway. I mean, and the thing is, the kids are so sensitive now that even the ones that are doing the bullying, I know that they're hurting inside. And there isn't enough that the schools are doing. They're not evolving to the point where you have to understand that these kids are seeing things that they that our generations and the you know the the administration generations had never seen and never had to deal with, and they're not evolving fast enough to help them. And you know, I see I see a kid dying every day by suicide. You know, I see stories all the time online. I mean, there's you know, it's every it's an everyday thing. Just after our son, there were I think there's up to. 13 now in our same school district, you know, in five years that have died by suicide. It should have ended at JJ. It should have never, there should have never been one more suicide after that. You know, even if there were some before him, there should have been never any more after him. And it's just, it's sad because you can only do so much and you can only talk to so many people before you hit that wall and nothing is done and not enough education is out there. And it's it hurts every day because you want to do more and you want to make a bigger difference. And that's, you know, what a part of the reason why, you know, we have the foundation and we have the the websites and we have we do the talks at schools and we have the podcast because I figure at some point somebody's going to come across something, you know, and if we can saturate enough people with the information that maybe we can help these kids that don't know how to talk to their parents or don't want to talk to their parents you know, one day walk up to him and say, you know, I am depressed. I am suicidal. I have been thinking about hurting myself and I need help because they do need help. There there has to be more and they need to know that there's help out there that they can reach out to. Oh, I definitely agree. I, I've long thought that the, the school system had a very, very outdated way of handling these kind of right. things. Um they, I, I don't, to be honest, I don't even remotely think that they have an idea or a clue or sometimes even a desire to try to help. Because, like, I, in some cases, I feel like um, the the school system is a little bit to blame for a right. lot of teen suicide, especially at uh, whatever the, the problems Come from the school themselves, whether it's whether it's a whether it's a bullying situation or uh, just a horrible like like insensitive right. teachers, you know, like or sexual assault or whatever the case is that's causing these kids to um, commit suicide. The school has to bear some responsibility, and to me, it's like they don't like they don't even try to accept it like i'm not like i'm like i'm not completely saying that it's right all their fault but accept right. some responsibility yeah i mean right so uh whenever whenever you your son uh died did was uh was there anybody from the school that even remotely like try to take some of the responsibility. I, I wouldn't say anything. some of the responsibility, but we have had a very, I mean, we've always had a good relationship with the schools because me and my wife volunteer a lot. Um, so the, I mean, the school district immediately had somebody come to the hospital where he was um, to ask us if we needed anything. 
And there has been a lot of changes in policies um, since he passed away. I mean, obviously, there could be a lot more. I still don't feel like there's enough education out there for the kids. I mean, they before he passed away, I think they talked about it for like a half hour, like mental health issues for a half hour in health class in, you know, ninth grade or something. So, I mean, he died in the seventh grade, so he didn't get any of that information. So, I mean, there could be a lot more that's being done. So in a way, I guess maybe they've taken some of the blame because they have made some changes. Um, I just, I mean, they have to know it's not enough. I mean, 13 other kids have died since him. So it's still not, not even remotely close to doing enough. But um, I, I mean, they have done something. So I can't say that we've had the worst school district in, you know, the, the state of California or the United right. States. Um, and I'm sure there's a lot that are way worse off than us that, you know, they, maybe they just sweep these kind of things under the rug and they don't even talk about them, which is even more unfortunate. Uh, but that was kind of one of the things that we wanted to make sure that people weren't going to forget about what happened and they weren't going to forget about JJ because, you know, he was a great kid. I mean, we had people flock to us afterwards and tell us, you know, you know, I just, he made me smile when he drove by it or he rode by on his bike. Um, he helped a family move in down the street from us that we never even knew that he helped them move in their furniture that came to us afterwards. So it's like, we're not going to let people forget about him because he was that good of a kid. And, you know, if he can make a difference now, then that's what he's going to do. Do you find that with your work or you, your wife, your families and like the whole foundation work that, in a sense, your your son is more alive now than he ever I feel was. like in a lot of times he's seen more than he was before he passed away. Um, but I don't know if that's more how I see it. Because like I said, a lot of people did come to us afterwards and, you know, tell us how good of a kid he was and how much he helped people. Um, so I feel like, you know in my eyes he's seen more than than he was back then but i don't know if that's just how i you know view it um because he was very private to us at least i mean he was out there in the world and doing things that we didn't know he was doing but um he was private with us so he didn't talk about a lot of things with us so it helps you know helps me see him better i think and it helps other people see him better Oh, I, I absolutely agree. That's I'm a my mom actually. Uh, she can she can relate to you because uh, I'm one of, like like that. Like I'm one of those people. Like I I don't like attention. I don't like uh, I don't really like talking about things, it's especially the things that I do. Um, my mom actually like she she will attest to the fact that she gets like stopped at least once or twice, like a week sometimes, and like oh Shannon has did this for me and like she, she'll call me she'll call me and be like I have no idea what you're talking about mom I ain't talking right. about that <laughs> so, so um, with your son why don't you tell tell uh, our audience what is your best memory of your son who best memory I would say, and I don't know if it's because one it's one of the last memories that I had, um, but we took, in 2015, we took a family trip to Disneyland, and 
I just remember how um, he, we had gone a few times before this, but we actually went as a larger group this time. And his one of his older brothers came and his older sister came. And I just remember how excited he was um, just to be there and that, you know, he wanted to stay up late and stay there and go on all the rides at night. And I just, that, that whole trip, um, we were lucky enough to be able to do that in July of 2015. And then he passed away in February of 2016. So I think, you know, just being able to spend that time with him, um, you know, going on rides, you know, I have some pictures with him. That was kind of the last time that we really took pictures together. So when I look at those pictures, I just remember how happy everybody was at the time. And then at the same time, I think back and I'm like, you know, five months later, he decided that, you know, he had enough time on this earth and he wanted to to leave us. So it's it's hard at the same time. But um, that whole trip was was pretty amazing. And I'm glad we had that opportunity. Yeah, I uh, I love I love to think about like the. Uh, the I, well, I love to think about it, but at the same time, I'm like you, like I think about the last moment like I had with uh, my girlfriend mm-hmm. before she died. And then, like, I keep thinking, I, I replay that moment every time in my head. But, like, as the day gets, like, closer to, like, its end, and I'm, like, about to go to sleep, I'm, like, yeah, it still was, like, the last right. time I saw him. And you're, like, ah. and then you're, like, oh, damn. And then the whole thing, the whole pain starts right. over again. Um, so, it's 2021 now. And what is life like for you and your family? Oh. Yeah, life. Right I mean, life is pretty good right now. I mean, we're not because of COVID and the schools being shut down. You know, we're not able to do as much with the foundation, which is kind of what's given me the time to record um, some podcasts and do that kind of thing. Uh, we've kind of just been spending more time together as a family, um, the immediate family that still lives in the house. Um, we, you know, we've had a couple struggles with our daughter who's who's been struggling with with distance learning and, and, you know, having to not being with her peers at school. And then my wife has had a couple, you know, health scares, but, um, you know, 2021 is, is hopefully going to be a lot better for all of us than 2020 was. And hopefully eventually we can, we can get these kids back in school safely. And, you know, we can go back to, to talking to more people and, and trying to help some more people, but, you know, it, it just it feels good to be able to to openly have conversations about about mental health and not just, you know, with our family, but with other people and be able to talk. And, um, you know, we used to host survivor meetings um, with other people who have lost loved ones and we haven't been able to do those uh, like we used to either. So um, 2021 is good, but uh, we're hoping to that it can continue to get better and you know, everybody can get back to what we consider normal or at least more normal. I mean, this is, these are, our, this is our new life. Now it's been a new life since 2016 when we lost him, but um, we'd like to get back to a little more of a normal new life than, than what it's been lately. <laughs> right. So what's your other, your other children? Mm-hmm. Do they, do they have, any pro like do they have any issues like did they have any like issues like right after like what was life like for them 
Uh, life was pretty tough for them. Um, I think our older kids kind of just um, hide it more. I don't. I don't know. They they don't like to talk about it. Still, um, they're doing okay. I mean, they live on their own. Um, and then, like I said, our daughter, um, she's really been, I think she's been hit the hardest, um, just because she knew eventually she was going to turn 12. Uh, she was eight at the time. So it's like, you know, dealing with turning 12 was hard for her. Um, and she's in seventh grade now she goes to the same school, although she's not in school that he did. So that's been kind of hard. And then our five-year-old, you know, he, he knows that he's, you know, gone, that he's dead. Um, we go to his gravesite, you know, and he kind of talks to him a little bit there, but he doesn't really understand. I mean, we don't talk to him really about suicide or mental health. He's still too young to process all that. Right. Um, but I think that, you know, as a group, they've all come to an understanding. I think they they kind of rely on each other more, I would say, for help. You know, they they talk to each other more, I think, which is a good thing. I mean, if there's anything good that came out of that, they may have become closer um, so yeah, I mean, you know, they're still recovering. They still get help. We still all do therapy, um, including them. So, um, but it's not been easy. I mean, I don't anticipate it's ever going to be easy for them. I mean, they're going to have to understand that JJ is going to be 12 forever. I mean, he's never going to grow up with them. He's never, you know, going to graduate. They're never going to go to his graduation or a wedding or anything. So, you know, I, I hope they continue to understand that you know, that he loved all of them a lot. I mean, that's one of my biggest fears is our, our older son at the time was 16. And his first thought was, you know, why didn't he talk to me? You know, did he not love me like that? You know, so it's, it's a recovery right. process for everybody. It's, I kind of worry about them because eventually, you know, me and my wife will be gone and they'll be here on their own to, to understand that stuff. But hopefully by then they have enough tools that, you know, they can continue on and help their own kids. Right. I know with uh, some parents uh, or family members that have uh, had someone commit suicide, there's been some that I've known personally that have gotten angry at the one that committed the act. Was there at any point where you like just for like a few seconds or minutes or a moment in time where you were angry at your son i didn't so much get the anger as my wife did um my wife was very angry um for a while um i i honestly didn't i just i still deal with the whys um you know the the, the just sadness like you know how did i miss the fact that he was so sad that he felt like there was nothing that could be done to help that. Um, but I, I don't know if I just haven't ever processed that in the last five years, the anger, or if, if I just, that's just not something that I, that I wasn't mad at him for doing it. I I'm upset that he's not here and I'm upset that he, you know, he didn't talk to me about it, but I, I just understand that in those moments, you know, from what we've read and, you know, what we've heard from other people in those moments, you know, it's an instantaneous thought that that's what he wanted to do. And so I can't be mad at him for making that decision. I can just be mad um, or, or hurt that he didn't talk to us about it. So we could have tried to do something. Okay. I mean, I get that. 
have have you in your head or like in like I guess like a dream or whatever? Um, ha- have you had that conversation? Like, if you could have just like just go back in time and you 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 know not that you can't change anything, but if you could have gone back in time, do you do you have an idea of what you what you would have said to him? Yeah, I mean, I I tried that day. Um, but I, I don't think I tried hard enough. I mean, I asked him when he, you know, I saw that he was upset. I, you know, I asked him, you know, is there anything I can do? You know, what's going on? And I think I probably would have, you know, had a more serious conversation with him or I would have sat there and just held him or, you know, I would, I wouldn't know. I wouldn't have left if I knew that he was that far gone at that point, if he was under that much stress or he was that upset, I would have just sat there and I would have just held him. Um, whether he wanted to talk to me or not, I wouldn't have left him alone. So I, I mean, it's, it's so hard to think that I missed something or I didn't do something. Um, because I, I really feel like I did try, but then at the same time, I'm like, I, there's no way I tried hard enough. I, I should have insisted that he came with us. I should have insisted that I stayed there with him. Um, and I kind of had those conversations with him, when we go visit his gravesite, you know, just like, you know, I should have talked to you. I should, I should, I feel like I failed him sometimes. And it's hard because I don't know if there was anything I could have did to change anything, but, um, you know, I'm at the funeral. That's one of the things that I said. And when I talked to everybody is, you know, I feel like I failed him. I didn't protect him from himself. You know, I protected him from everything else as much as I could but I couldn't protect him from himself. And, you know, that's a hard thing to deal with. Oh, I bet. Um, so right now, what's like, what's the one thing that you truly appreciate about your life right now? Um, I appreciate the fact that my kids are, are are still here with us and are still close to us. And I appreciate my wife every day for, um, like I said, being the rock. Um, I know I couldn't have started this foundation or I couldn't have, um, I couldn't go to these speeches and talk to people because I, you know, I have a lot of anxiety about, you know, doing speaking engagements and talking to people and things like that. And so I really appreciate as much as she struggled and as much as, as hard as it's been, to lose our son that she's pretty much been with me every step of the way um, that she's encouraged me to get out there and do other things. Um, so I think if, if anything um, right now at this moment, I appreciate her the most. Well, she sounds like an amazing woman. Let's talk about her a little bit. So mm-hmm. you guys met in 2001. Correct. Right. Okay. So how, hard was it to try to get her for you like was it just like love at first sight or was it like you tried to romance the crap out of her and just wasn't taken what was that romance like um we you know had a a friend friendly relationship for about a year um she was um still dealing with her divorce at the time so it wasn't something like you know, an instantaneous like love connection. I, we kind of just became friends. And um, when I was going through my breakup with a, a previous girlfriend at the time, and then she was dealing with that, we kind of just 
had a connection there where we could talk about, you know, everything that we had dealt with. And when I was younger, my mom um, did daycare. So there were always a lot of kids around. So the fact that she had three kids, it didn't really bother me. Like I was, you know, Hey, you know, I'm used to kind of being kids around. I mean, it was a big change for me. I was 23 at the time. So being 23 and having, you know, a relationship with, with a, a, you know, a woman and three kids was different, but um, you know, we were friends at first for a while. We worked together and it just kind of went from there. So when, uh, when you propose, tell that story because like, you know, the women in that, that listen to this show, they love a good romance. So, like, they love a good romantic moment. How did the proposal right. go? Right. So, um, I wanted to make sure that I involved our, her kids, um, so when mm-hmm. I eventually proposed, I had them, she had come home from work and I was standing in the doorway and I had them hold up a sign that said, would you, would you marry my mom? And so that kind of, so that's pretty much how it went. They made a nice poster for her. So I wanted to make sure that they were involved because, you know, I cared about them and I cared about how they were feeling. So I included them in that and we ended up getting um, married in Reno. So it was just kind of like a small marriage. Um, going to Reno from California to get married. Um, but yeah, so I just, I wanted to make sure that they were there. And so including them, I just remember her crying and, you know, it was a very happy moment. That, that, that sounds like a very sweet and adorable moment. Kudos for you. That is uh, <laughs> that's actually a, uh, that, that is a cute story. I enjoy those kind of things. Um, especially like if whenever you're involved with a woman that has, uh, a kid from a, a previous relationship right. it is like coming from a uh from that end uh from a single parent it is it's right. always so uh so amazing if your kids have a wonderful relationship with a person you're going to that wants to marry you right, right. that that's a good that that's a good good thing um your wife uh what what does she do Uh, She's a medical assistant. So um, pretty much when, when we, when she was going to school, I was working. And then when she started working, I went to school and became a pharmacy technician. So we kind of both work in the medical field. Um, I work for an insurance company now, so I don't really handle a lot of the pharmacy stuff, but um, she still deals with, um, she works for Kaiser hospitals in, in Sacramento. So she's dealing with a lot of the COVID stuff right now. Um, she's actually on disability right now cause she just had surgery, but, um, when she was in there, she was working with the COVID patients. So that's been pretty rough for her. Oh, I bet. Uh, well, definitely, definitely prayers for her whenever at, for her recovery and for right. her to go back to work. And I, but, uh, by the time she's able to go back to work, this isn't such a big deal. <laughs> right exactly right so, i mean i don't think it's ever going to go away but we can make it where it's not that great of a deal <laughs> right right at least it'll be safer by then hopefully right. um so what's what is your ulti- ultimate goal with with your foundation because like we've talked about why it was uh, brought uh, came to life with your with your son's passing your like your general mission statement and what you kind of have been doing, but what is the ultimate goal? 
I mean, the ultimate goal is is kind of just to continue on what we've been doing. I mean, I'd like to be able to do more presentations and get more information out to people. Um, I don't expect our foundation to ever be, you know, like nationwide and and hit everybody. But I feel like if we can make enough difference in here in, in Sacramento and then California and just make sure that you know, we can make the right connections to enough people out there, maybe other organizations or, you know, other people that are doing similar things to to you and I that uh, we can get enough out there that these conversations and these talks are on a daily basis, that everybody's talking oh. to everybody, um, not just parents to kids, but, you know, friends to friends and, 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 you know, family members to family members, um, are having these open conversations about, you know, Hey, I'm struggling. You know, have you ever struggled? You know, how did you get through those struggles and connecting them to the right people to help? You know, if you can't help them physically or, or emotionally that you connect them to a professional that can help them emotionally and professionally. I mean, we have to get to the point where people take their, their mental health just as, as serious as their physical health. If you, you know, feel if your heart, you know, is hurting, you're going to go see a heart doctor. Well, if you're feeling sad, you should be able to go see your therapist or talk to your therapist just as easily. And until we get to that point, oh, I, you know, our mission is never going to be over. Oh, I completely agree. Uh, the minute that at, at my job, whenever they put me in charge of my own department, uh, you know, being the, the guy that is running our, uh, online and delivery um the minute that they put me in charge of that like i real like i realized that i had to do things that i wish that my bosses like my previous bosses uh didn't do like, right so like i i always encourage my um the, the the people that work under me that like if there's some if they're going through something like i know technically like legally and technically you know, like i'm not supposed to act like you know like we're friends or like i'm like i care but like that's never been me that's never who gonna right. be who the fuck i am so right. uh, like right. if, the, if the people like people that are working under me or hell even like the other employees in the store like if they're going through something and they need to talk i i, I don't give crap what i'm doing i will stop and and i'll talk to them i'll try to give them encouraging right. words i mean um, hell, I've even let a few of my, uh, uh, my employees like take some, take some time off because they weren't feeling like they were in their best mental, mental state. And I was like, listen, right. Hey, I've been there. Like I, right. I have, like, I've lost every ambition possible, zero energy. And I was pissing my entire life away. I was like, so if you need to take a couple of days off, take a couple of days off. If you need to go see a therapist, right. go see your therapist. If you need to go, go like check yourself into a mental facility, do that. And, but your job will be here right. whenever you get out of, of that facility. And there's no shame, no judgment. I was like, and no rush to come back because like, I've been there. Like after I, like I went in uh shit, what was that? Like 2010. And, I, yeah, uh, and I rushed back into into life, and I don't think that 
like the mental facilities themselves are are great. Uh, they they do a lot for you while you're in the hospital, but they don't really teach you right. what to do when you come out. Right, exactly. And I, I feel like that's, a, that's another dangerous thing. I mean, not like we talked about how the schools don't really talk about it, but like hospitals themselves, like they don't really teach you or prepare you for the, the world. Like the, they, they'll teach you Okay, so like whatever your stress, you know, like take some breathing treatments, throw some pills at you, like you know, like they'll teach you all, right. <laughs> they'll do all these things for you while you're in the hospital, but they don't really necessarily go through like what to do, like whenever it's midnight and you're waking up and like have an anxiety attack. They don't, they don't teach you how to handle that. So, of course not. They they tell you to go to the emergency room, like somebody there is going to help you, right? I mean, uh, yeah, you'll be immediately safe, maybe, but that's not going to help you, you know, recover from that. I mean, how much actual attention are you going to get at the emergency room? You're going to sit in the waiting room for a while. Nobody's going to know that you're there. I mean, it's it's just not healthy. I mean, the whole the whole medical system in regards to mental health is just not healthy at all. Yeah. I, you know, I, I get it. it. It's expensive. Mental health can be expensive, and I get it. You know, we don't have enough professionals, but so then why aren't we doing more to encourage people to get into that line of work? Why are we not, you know, encouraging more people, you know, offering some sort of incentives, you know, to, to, to want to, to help other people like that? Because the sad part is the ones like us that have lived with, with depression or lived with, you know, survived a suicide I feel like we're the ones that are out there screaming for help and trying to help people, but I'm not a professional. Like, yeah, I know some things cause I've learned things, but when people come to me and are like, you know, my kid is, is having these issues. You know, the only thing that I can do is, you know, point them in the same direction that, that failed my son, you know, that, that, you know, wasn't there to help him. I mean, that's, you know, it's a sad thing to do, but, I can offer encouraging statements and I can, you know, offer some assistance, but there, I mean, again, there just has to be more done and, you know, I'll scream it every day for the rest of my life until, you know, more is done and it still won't be done by then, but hopefully we can get to a better place. Oh, I, I, I agree. I, there's, I, I, people have, um, like whenever people found out that like that I was doing the show or like the way that like I promote the crap out of, everything that i do because that's just who i am right um and i have no shame but uh like if i believe in something i believe in it like and i'll talk about it like you know like if everyone at my, my work knows that i'm like very big on mental health because not just the show but because of what i've gone through. now like you like i i've had people like uh, like hey so like my son was my son was talking to uh somebody online and he sent him a suicide note over like messenger something like what do i do and i'm like right well the fuck i know <laughs> like that's <laughs> right. um contact the local authorities well like he's over in england well of course he is he's on xbox why wouldn't he be so like you know right, well right, i mean right. you could down the best you can and, and while simultaneously looking up the like, suicide prevention numbers or like the local authorities numbers or emails. 
<laughs> so like right i don't like yeah exactly you, you don't yeah. you don't know I mean, it, <laughs> right right so i mean it, it is it is really sad that like these things aren't talked about and these things aren't uh pursued because like my biggest thing and something that's always bothered me is why the hell is going to therapy so damn expensive but you can right. uh, you can you can go to the doctor and get like a co like with your like insurance or like a uh, like a low income doctor and like get like like a third like only pay like a half of it or like a third of like the copay like why right. the hell is it like two hundred dollars or like three hundred dollars for like an hour visit with a with a therapist, but like you can go to the right. doctor for like fifty bucks? Right. I mean, and one of the things that we learned, one of the first things, because we we tried to you know set up some programs where we could help people get like lower cost copays, or we could come up with some agreements, or we could throw some of the money that the foundation gets uh, as donations towards therapists. And one of the things that we learned is because a lot of therapists don't join insurances because they're not getting what they think they should be getting. Um, you know, whether that's, you know, reimbursements from the insurance or whatever. So they set their own, you know, levels of, of money or, uh, you know, how much money they, they want to charge people. And so when you do find an insurance, and some of them have changed a lot. Um, I know through my job, through my insurance, I get free uh, counseling visits now. So I, I mean, I have pretty good insurance that way. But I mean, with these counselors are all out there charging their own rates, people can't afford those. And so I think a lot of that has to do, you know, with these big insurance companies is, is you know, reiterating to them how important mental health is. And yeah, it's going to cost you guys more, but how much in the end are you going to save? You're not going to have these people out here attempting suicide and ending up in emergency rooms and getting emergency surgeries or staying on life support for, you know, 10 days before their families decide that it's too long, you know? So in the long run, it'll save them money and they'll be healthier because they're getting that mental health. And it's a shame, you know, that we had to <laughs> learn that afterwards. Right. But I mean, when we try first tried to get our son help, the waiting lists were like four months for a therapist that are my, you know, an old insurance company. And we're like, okay, so my son is depressed now and you're going to tell him he can't talk to anybody for four months. I mean, that's, you, nobody's going to survive that being depressed. You're not going to be able to live four months being depressed. I mean, it's not going to happen. You're, you're killing yourself every day, even if you're not really killing right. yourself. I mean, mentally you're, you're, you're tearing yourself down. So, I mean, it's, it's a shame. It really is. And, you know, I like to think that things are getting a little better and I do see some changes, which is good, but you know, again, it's going to take a lot more. It's going to take, you know, unfortunately it's going to take a lot more lives being lost before people open their eyes. I mean, it, you see all these celebrities taking their lives, you know, and it'll be in the news for a week and then it goes away yeah. again. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's well, insane. yeah. And speaking of like the entertainment aspect, like I, I think back to uh, whenever that Netflix show, like Thirteen Reasons Why, came out, um, and especially like that first season, and um, like I, I, I remember watching it because like I had heard, uh, heard what it was about, and like 
like being a mental health person and like an anti-bully person like i was like okay i'll check it out and like i just watching it like and then like all of a sudden like there like that was like the controversy behind it and all that stuff was kind of like in in the news a little bit you know like you'd see it on facebook and stuff like that uh do you mm-hmm. do you have like uh, an opinion on how the like the in- industry has kind of uh, in some way in some ways kind of like sensationalized suicide? Um, I, I could say that they have in a way, but I kind of have a different opinion about things like that. I mean, I professionally, I, I know a lot of people don't like that kind of stuff but i mean in regards to 13 million reasons why like i think that although yes they they probably showed a little too much and that that i'm sure that hurt a lot of people it brought back a lot of feelings or it may have even caused a few people to make the decision but at the same time how how was it being conversated about before that i mean that show alone made people talk about it and one of the things that people always say is, oh, you're putting those thoughts in my kid's head. No, if your kid is already depressed and suicidal, that show isn't going to do anything for them. It's, it's if anything, shows like that um, are going to help people understand that they're not alone. Um, and that's the way that I kind of feel about it. I feel like, you know, if it takes an industry to talk about it, you know, and, and people are going to watch it as long as we're being healthy about it. I mean, I would never want my kids to sit down and watch that show by themselves. You know, my, my, my 12 year old daughter for one, but if I can sit down with her and it sparks the conversation, then, then I'll, I definitely would take that opportunity. Um, The part that I think that, that an entertainment, you know, doesn't do enough of is we don't have enough people, especially celebrities talking about, well, we have had more recently. I, I don't want to say ha- never, but, you know, talking about how they, they've they suffered from depression and they've recovered from it or they're dealing with it. Because our kids are so glued to TVs and phones and tablets and computers, you know, we definitely need more. And, you know, it's a shame, but they have to be role models in, in, that, in that case and talk about it more. Oh, yeah. um, but I, w- I would like to see, I would like to see more TV shows you know, handling suicide in the right way. I mean, I watch, you know, TV shows where they, you know, there's a suicide in the show and they, they don't even address it at all. Like, I mean, there has to be warnings. There has to be, I mean, you have to do it the right way. You can't just throw it at people because it can be dangerous. I mean, it really can be oh, dangerous. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, but if it, if it sparks a conversation, then so, I mean, I'm all for it. I will, I will sit and talk about everything that I see, you know, that's going to help save somebody's life out there, you, you know, even if it's just one person. So no, I, I completely agree with that because like, especially with that statement, like if uh, nothing like no show, no celebrity, no uh, rap song, no rock song, like no heavy metal song is ever, it can put anything in your head or your kid's head. If it's not already there. I, for one, like I had right. suicidal thoughts watching like, wholesome shows like family matters and full house like not because they're horrible shows but like because like it it was they were always there and like that's where they were like always present um so like yeah um, right uh 
So yeah, it, like, you can't put something in your in your head or somebody somebody's head if they're not already there. Um, and no, I do, right. I do, I do like that. Uh, I do like your uh, opinion on that. I, I, I honestly, I, I sometimes think that there needs to be more. Like, I feel like things became a lot more uh, mental health relevant whenever Robin Williams died. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Because he was the one that smiled in everybody's face yeah. and everybody thought was always happy. And if somebody that appears to be that happy can be that pain, that pained inside and that, that upset inside, then it could happen to anybody. And yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I'm very happy about the way that his family handled his situation because I think that helped a lot of people. I think uh, one of the ones that hit me the hardest because you know, I followed their music was when um, Chester died oh, from Lincoln yep, Park. Yep. I mean, that, that one hit me hard because, you know, I remember in 98, 99, going to a concert, you know, in Sacramento where they performed. I mean, they were my favorite group at the time. And, you know, seeing somebody who's, you know, seems on the surface, and I had no idea at the time, you know, how much he struggled um, but seeing somebody, you know, in person that seemed to be, you know, doing well and then hearing about, you know, actually he wasn't and how hard he struggled is pretty much his whole life. Um, you know, that one hit me pretty hard. But, you know, when I think that his wife has handled, you know, his suicide very well. And, you know, she's been outspoken about it and talked about oh, it. Oh, yeah, I, I agree. I think between uh, I, I look back at a lot of the, the favorite um people that like influenced me in some kind of way like you know, like i look at like kurt cobain and i look at uh uh right. rob williams and chester like these uh these men like like i grew up and like i love them and like rob and i idolized that he's actually the one celebrity that i actually got like physically upset whenever i heard that he died like he was the one celebrity where right. i actually cried because i'm like what the fuck you know um, right exactly right but yeah like, these men you know like uh like whenever i was like was it um cobain died died in 94 you know like i'm like 11 right so, like i don't under, like i don't know what suicide is like i you know like you, <laughs> right, exactly you you grow up and and you learn what it is and you're like oh okay and then i go into the whole conspiracy thing i still think he was murdered but like whatever um right <laughs> but like you know you think of um like the like the Robins and the Chesters, like these guys are like hell. Even a lot of the other celebrities that you that committed suicide, suicide, where you 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 see that public persona of happiness, which is can be right, right which can be like transferred over to your son or like my uncles or like friends or fa other family members to anybody else, where they're out there, they're smiling, they're helping people, they're doing all these great amazing things, but. The minute that they go behind closed doors, you do not know what's going right. on with them. And I think that to me right. is like the scariest thing in the world because as much as you love somebody, if you can't get them to open up, you're never going to know. And I think to me that right. is like the hardest part about mental health is uh, at least with my family after I told them what I had planned and ultimately didn't do, uh, they they it was one of those things where they were like, we, none of us, like we were all very worried for like years 
like this was go- that that it was going to happen. Uh, right. And because you never you never talked about things, especially after Rachel died, you got really dark and like you got so alone in your own way of doing things. Even if you were out there, you were doing amazing things and you were following your dreams, stuff like that. When you were alone and you went home by yourself, none of us knew if you, the right. next morning. And I think to me, honestly, it's the scariest part is like you sometimes you get that feeling that, you know, hey, you know, Jeff doesn't seem like he's doing that great. Like you, that, that smile seems a little forced. Maybe I should talk to him. And then you don't. You know, right. No, I, I completely agree. And, you know, that's one of the hardest things. But at the same time, I feel like, you know, now that, you know, I mean, you're turning, you know, what happened to you and what you went through into a positive. And I still feel like, you know, survivors and people that have dealt with we're the biggest voices. And if we don't use that voice in a positive way, I feel like, you know, I don't want to say we're wasting you know, our experiences, but at the same time, you know, I think we can help so many people with our experiences and talking about it. And, you know, I, I just want, you know, I want to thank you for, you know, you doing what you do, um, you know, and helping your audience as well, because everybody thinks that if, even if, you know, every day, if you're smiling on the surface, that you're okay. And I think we've all had moments, even those that didn't get to the point where maybe you were thinking about taking your life. We've always had those days where we're like, I feel all alone or I feel like, you know, nobody cares. And I feel like as a society, if we, you know, just, you know, one of our things we say is, is say hello, save a life. If we just say hello to somebody or we just acknowledge that somebody's there, that can make the biggest difference in somebody's life. And, you know, it can turn somebody's day from a negative into a positive just by acknowledging that they're a person um, acknowledging that you see them, you know, most people that, that end up taking their lives, they feel like nobody sees them. And so, you know, we just have to do more, not, you know, not us specifically, but just people in general have to do more to acknowledge people in our lives. You know, even if we never see somebody again, you know, I try to do the best when, you know, I go to a grocery store, go to a restaurant, be cordial to people, um, you know, be as nice to people that you run across because you never know what that person is dealing with in their life. You never know, you know, how their life is going. And if we can do more to be open with people and nice to people, we can, you know, we can change society as a whole. Oh, I, I absolutely agree. You know, one of the one things I've been meaning to tell you is that whole say hello, save a life thing. I, I absolutely love that because that is so true. Um, I've, I've long said that it kind of, or I've long thought since I, like I first heard it, that it very much is, is basically like, um, like my little like t-shirt mantra, like say hello, save a life, be the light, you know, they, they go hand in hand and because saying hello to someone, you're absolutely like, absolutely right in this regard. It can save a life being nice to somebody. It doesn't to be nice you could be the right you could be having the crappiest day on the planet but you but it's not sometimes we we get a little too focused i think sometimes uh, on like on our own stuff that like we could be having a, a bad day but you know what maybe that uh 
that waitress at this restaurant that we're at, maybe she's having a bad day too. And now right. our bad day it d- doesn't disqual- get disqualified because she's having a bad day. But maybe by you saying hello and giving her a genuine smile, like make maybe right. like telling her like a stupid pun or a joke or something like right. complimenting her like her shoes or her hair. A compliment can make anybody's life so much better. One, right. it, it saved mine. Like my friend Katrina, she when she texts me like those three little words that I uh, that I tell everybody like, and I've said numerous times on the show, three words: I appreciate you. The right. Three words: I appreciate you. They can mean so much more than just those three words. It means I love you. Right. Care. I hope that you're okay. If you need, if you need something, talk. You like it, anything that we can do with our with our with our words, with our life, your foundation, this show, your show, like uh, the several other people that I've met, like with just networking, trying to come on to the show just to tell their story. Sometimes people just need a little, a little. Uh, something to like, ignite their spark back, you know, like, as Robert right. actually did once say, like, you only get one spark of madness in this world, you should never lose it. That's who right. you are. Well, I'm paraphrasing, I don't think that that's exactly what you know. <laughs> Right. Um, and, like, I feel like the, the people that we've lost through suicide, I feel like they've, they lost their spark, and they just couldn't figure out how to get it back. So, it's it's on to us, you know, like it's the people that right. are still here that have the ability to like s- spark somebody's life back up with just a simple hello. But like you guys always say, a simple compliment, reworded text message, you know, like small thing, all about the small things to me. And yeah, I, absolutely. And, uh, um, but yeah, dude, I, I, I appreciate you coming on because like I have been after like getting introduced and like me looking into your, what you do and your and listening to your son's story and your story in between, you know, what you guys do is just simply fantastic. And I'm a huge fan of what you do. Um, so I want to give you like this, these last couple of minutes, uh, plug your stuff once again, uh, to let people know where, like where they can find you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, first, you know, I just want to say thank you for that. Again, you know, I appreciate what you're doing. Um, if people want to learn more uh, about our son or our foundation, uh, they can do so uh, by Googling JJ's Hello Foundation. Uh, they can go to www.hellofund.org. Um, they can find us um, online on any social media, Instagram, uh, Twitter, Facebook, just by searching JJ's Hello Foundation. And they can um, search also on any podcast form for the Say Hello, Save a Life podcast, and they can listen to our information that way. Um, And, you know, our family, um, my wife, myself, our kids, um, you know, everybody that's involved with the foundation, you know, we appreciate, you know, anybody just, you know, taking a look at our webpage or listening to our podcast, um, you know, learning more about our son because, you know, he's, he's why we do this. Um, and we just want to make sure, you know, that people understand that, you know, it takes way more energy to be mean to somebody um, than it does to be nice and to make sure that, you know, they they do 
uh, reach out to that stranger on a bench who looks down um, and just, you know, hey, how are you doing? You know, the weather's nice today um, because that moment that you say that to them, you're acknowledging that they're a person and they matter to somebody, um, that they're a part of this world. And if we don't do that to enough people, you know, they're going to continue to take their lives because they think that nobody cares about them or nobody sees them. So, um, but again, thank you, you know, so much for doing what you do and, you know, having me on today and hopefully we can do this again sometime. Oh, absolutely. Doors always open. Uh, I, I, like I, like I said, I enjoy what you guys do and, uh, like it's been a, a pleasure and an honor of mine just to get to know you, uh, as much as I have, especially with this almost hour and a half conversation. Um, right. <laughs> I, I enjoy learning about people and I feel like this is the best way that I like, I can find not, not just, you know, like acquaintances, but like true, especially like with what we do, like, it's like, we're like, we're soldiers in, in a war that like right. we can't see. So like, this right. is, like we are, we're like a, definitely a band of brothers here. So, um i like i said man I, I i appreciate you coming on and uh my best to uh your family and hope your wife recovers quickly thank you so much i appreciate that again you know thank you and keep doing what you're doing um well, I, I know that you're out there helping people so i appreciate you as well well i appreciate you too so like i will uh i'll let you uh, i'll talk to you later and uh we'll get we'll find a way to get you back on again <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Thank you so much. You have a good night. You too. My name is Brian Pillman Jr. And you are listening to In Your Head with Shannon Standiford. I had a lot of fun talking with that man. Uh, his organization uh, and this show same mission we the men behind the the show and and his uh organization same mission for the same guy uh and that's what i've kind of really enjoyed about this show is the fact that um we we didn't know each other at all but through the wondrous thing called the internet we uh we got connected, uh, we, we talked, um, we have mutual respect for each other. Um, we are brothers in this fight against mental health and uh, to prevent suicides and, and uh, people who go through depression and, and anxiety. So um, hearing that man's story, uh, really like understanding who he is and what he, him and his family went through um, it's heart wrenching. It's and it's sadly uh, it's all too commonplace for a lot of people. So, but he took a a huge negative, and something that's always going to be on his conscious and his memory and his heart. And he took the the hardest thing he ever went through, and he turned his son's death into a way of saving other people. And uh, I have so much respect for that man and his family. And uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be real, real with you. Uh, his son's, JJ's final act, you know, 
Yeah, he he may have killed himself, but he saved two people. Um, and while that doesn't take take the away the fact that you know like Josh lost his son, he at least knows that there's two people alive because of his son. So that's it, it's an amazing thing. So um, I don't have much on uh, this show for. Uh, for an ending, I don't really have any, any, uh, any powerful things. Uh, the the show was was everything that I that I'd hoped for. So thanks again, Josh. I, I truly did mean everything that I said. I can't wait to have you come back on sometime. Uh, I have so much respect. Uh, so guys, go check out his his uh, his website, his uh, his organization, his fund. Um, Say hello, save a life. So, uh, with that being said, let's get to the supernatural inspirational quote of the week. This comes from Dean Winchester himself, Jensen Ackles. Huh? Man, that's crap. You always have a choice. You either roll over and die, or you can keep fighting, no matter what. And they always kept fighting. Just like all of you, I hope you guys always keep fighting. Say hello. Save a life. Be the light. This has been In Your Head with Shannon Stanford. And I appreciate you. <laughs>